Welcome to the Post-Christian Podcast. My name is Eric Bryant. I'm one of the executive pastors at Gateway in Austin, Texas. My foundation exists to equip and empower church leaders in reaching new people and raising up leaders. I'm the author of Not Like Me and Fruitful, Becoming Who God Created You to Be. Join me on social media for Through the New Testament for Skeptics and Seekers. And be sure to sign up for my email newsletter where you can receive free resources at ericbryant.org. On today's podcast, I'm excited to have a new friend of mine, Muddle Belliston. How are you doing, Muddle? I'm doing fine. Thank you, Eric. We had, uh, at least I had, a wonderful time getting to know you in the Dominican Republic. I felt like you and I, since neither of our wives were there, we shared lots of meals together. And I just really became so fascinated by your ministry, serving Jewish folks, helping them find the Messiah. And I want to talk all about that. But first, we're just a few days removed from the just awful terrorist attack um, from Hamas uh, out of Gaza. Would you just let us know, maybe there's things as someone who's connected to Israel, uh, someone who follows the Messiah, what what are some ways that followers of Jesus can be praying what can we be doing? And maybe even some insights on, on what's happening here. Well, as working backwards, insights on what's happening, obviously, up until 1948, uh, the Holy Land was controlled by the British. That's a surprise to a lot of folk. Uh, there's never been, uh, in the last uh, thousand years, um, an independent Palestinian state. Palestinian Uh, The word Palestinian refers to a region of land. So when Jews live in the land of Palestine, Jews are Palestinians. Uh, uh, Moses was a Jewish Palestinian. Uh, So anyone who lives in that region of land, it's not an ethnic derivation, it's simply a region. And so up until 48, the British controlled it as a result of World War I. Um, Obviously, there were conflicting uh, grabs on the land. Every, you know, both Jews and Arabs wanted that land. Earlier, the British had given two-thirds of Palestine to the Arabs, and that became the country of Jordan. And that, to this day, is a, a Palestinian Arab country. Uh, however, the land that remained, the land of Israel, was still uh, being contested, and so the British attempted to divide the land, uh, talking very neutrally here, just, uh, you know, absolutely not favoring one side or the other. The facts are the British tried to divide the land. Uh, the, the Jewish authorities agreed to the division the British had proposed. The Arab authorities said, no, we, we're going to uh, control the land and we will allow the Jewish people to live in certain cities. Well, the British got exasperated uh, and try to negotiate. And so they simply sailed out of the harbor, uh, Haifa, and uh, uh, five Arab nations uh, uh, declared war against Israel, and the war was on. Uh, they fought for about a year or less, and uh, a ceasefire was declared with certain lines of ceasefire. Those remained the borders up till 67. In uh, 67, there was another attack. Armies amassed on the borders of Israel. There was another war, and this time Israel was able to uh, expand its borders or expand the, its land control twice. Over the years, uh, 
much of the land that Israel was able to uh, take in the 67 war was given up for peace. Uh, various treaties with Egypt and with Jordan basically negotiated, said, uh, we will give you your land back if we could simply have peace. And so for the, for the last 10 years or so, uh, there has been a, uh, a shaky but reliable peace with both Egypt and Jordan. However, the West Bank remains the sticky issue, and the Gaza remains the sticky issue. Uh, Israel withdrew from the Gaza in 2005 with the promise from Hamas that uh, they would stop attacking and there would be peace if Israel simply gave back the land of Gaza. Well, Israel did that in 2005. They completely withdrew from Gaza. They they un, they uh, pulled up hundreds and hundreds of families, Jewish families, that settled in Gaza. And supposedly there was supposed to be peace. However, there has been um, a division amongst the, the poor Arab folk. You know, the Arab folk need our prayer as well. Uh, each Arab person is loved by God. And in Gaza, uh, they have the misfortune of being ruled by the Hamas uh, terrorist dictatorship. And there are many Arab uh, folks, normal, everyday folks, who would love to see Hamas uh, leave uh, or destroyed. And so they could actually have their lives back. But Hamas is a dictatorship. You can't really speak against them. And so uh, Hamas broke their promise and kept attacking Israel even after they had been given all that land. And uh, the attacks got worse and worse. And of course, we know three days ago on October 7th, uh, there were several uh, tens of thousands of Hamas fighters who had broken across the border, uh, taking advantage of the Jewish Sabbath, and uh, massacred, literally massacred uh, families who were totally unprepared for this. They entered towns, they entered villages and just massacred people. Approximately 1,100 Jewish civilians were massacred. We know that 14 uh, American tourists were also massacred by the Hamas terrorists. They just got into one of the kibbutzim yesterday. They found 50 children who had been massacred, mostly stabbed to death by these Hamas uh, terrorists. Uh, this, this shows racism at its most demonic worst. This is not freedom fighting. This is not a political fight. This is simply from the pit of hell racism. And so uh, believers around the country have been mobilized. You have to understand there's full freedom of religion in Israel. And uh, Christians are absolutely free to practice their faith. There are tens of thousands of evangelicals who live and work in Israel. Some are Jewish, some non-Jewish. There are also Arab Christians who live in main, the main part of Israel. They have joined the Israeli army. There are many, there are over a thousand Arab Christian, uh, when I say Christian, of, of ethnic Christian background, uh, the Orthodox Church usually, and they've joined the Israeli army because they understand that uh, there's peace as long as Israel is strong. And so right now, it's a very sad situation. The entire country is in mourning. This was Israel's 9-11. Uh, this killed a greater percentage of people per capita than 9-11 killed in the United States. We, we lost approximately 3,000 
uh, in a country of over 300 million. They have lost uh, 1,000 in a country of uh, less than 8 million. And so it is a difficult situation that needs our prayer. Uh, our leaders, the leaders of our country, this putting partisanship aside, the leaders of our country need wisdom beyond themselves in knowing how to respond. There are many influential Jewish believers in Jesus who have the ear of the Israeli authorities. The most prominent publicity spokesman for Israel is a young man by the name of Hanani Naftali. Uh, he is the face of pro-Israel uh, social media. He is a Jewish believer in Jesus. I have friends who know him well. And so the, the, the situation needs our prayers, but, but friends, this is another one of the signs of the last days. Uh, not becoming a sensational here, but this is certainly one of the things that scripture points to, that there would be increasing wars um, in the Middle East. It's tragic. I have a really good friend who's a Palestinian follower of Jesus and yes. has done a lot of great work with reconciliation. And mm -hmm. yes. it, you, you did a wonderful job of explaining there are a lot of Arabs, Palestinians, Christian Palestinians who don't like what's going on. This is That's, not, yes, this is sir. not yes. okay. And thank you for sharing what happened and how we can be engaged in prayer. I, I feel like some of what your ministry is about is even more important uh, as we see wars and rumors of wars. Let's go back to what you're doing in New Jersey. Sure. Uh, by the way, uh, if you guys are unfamiliar, I'm at messiah.com. Uh, Muddle has been the face of a lot of that amazing uh, ministry of really hearing from Jewish people who are following Jesus and some of the miraculous ways God has reached these uh, amazing brothers and sisters, you being one of them. Talk about your ministry in New Jersey and how you've seen people from a Jewish background find faith in Yeshua. Well, both of my parents are Jewish, ethnically Jewish. All four of my grandparents came from Orthodox Jewish homes in Eastern Europe. Uh, and so a very traditional background. I grew up here in a lot of Yiddish. I grew up... Um, at that time was the capital of the Jewish world, which was New York City. Uh, so I spent the first quarter century of my life in New York City, in Jewish neighborhoods, hearing Yiddish. I came to saving faith in Yeshua, in Jesus as Messiah, at the age of 21, as a result of a, of a real spiritual search. I was looking for truth. And um, I opened up the scriptures, was guided in that by a man who was able to uh, speak and read Hebrew, a Gentile believer in Jesus who was conversant in Hebrew, and he showed me the passages, and after three or four sessions, you could not deny what was in front of my eyes in the Torah, wow. the Jewish Bible. So I came to saving faith. Uh, the Lord quickly called me out of the dental profession, which is the track I was on, and uh, led both my wife. My wife is also a Jewish believer in Jesus, uh, came to faith a year before I did. We did not know each other. We met at the Bible study for Jewish believers. Oh, wow. It was clear that God had me um, on a track for ministry, and so I joined Missions Door, which is the ministry I'm still with uh, over 30 years later. Mm -hmm. And our goal here in North Jersey is very simple. 
It's to bring our own Jewish people face to face with the claims of Jesus to be our Jewish Messiah. This is a Jewish thing to do. We're not here to convert people from one building to another. <laughs> that is a, a useless exercise. But rather, my own Jewish people need to come to a personal, individual, saving faith that God has kept his promise to us as a people and has sent us the Messiah, the Savior, that he promised in the Hebrew Scripture, and that is Yeshua, Jesus of Nazareth. And we tell about this work on our website. There are some photos of our work there as well. Yes, the website, MessiahNJForNewJersey.com. I encourage everyone to go and take a look. And I know there's some great resources. And, and I want to just learn a little bit from you for a moment. Would you just share some of the biggest challenges, obstacles put in front of followers of Jesus when it comes to reaching their Jewish neighbors and friends? And what have you seen help our Jewish neighbors and friends say yes to the Messiah? You know, as far as the Jewish um, objections to the idea of believing in Jesus, what's happening in the last 30 years is we're starting to see a stratification by generation. Uh, when I first started out as a brand new believer 40 years ago, uh, the the main objection was that so many of our people were deeply aware of the history of persecution by Christendom. Uh, if you look back at uh, the, the Inquisition, uh, this was uh, perpetrated in, in extreme violence uh, by individuals who claimed to be Christians, who had big cathedrals all over Europe, and they claimed to be doing this in the name of Jesus. Uh, the Crusaders, 400 years earlier, had, uh, had marched and rode into the, the Middle East uh, with crosses around their neck and crosses on their shield, and they slaughtered Jews on the way to free um, Israel, to free Jerusalem from the Muslim invaders. And so there has been a horrible history. My own family experienced this. Uh, my grandmother's youngest brother was named Buttle Siegel. And in 1919, he was still uh, residing in Poland my, or in Ukraine. And uh, my mother and her older brothers had already come to the U.S., but he was still there as in about 20, 21 or so years of age. And there was a terrible pogrom uh, in 1919 where members of one of the large institutional churches of, in that area uh, decided that they were going to go on a rampage, uh, mostly politically driven, but they imagined that the Jews were their enemies as well. And so they, with swords, hacked to death my grandmother's youngest brother, and uh, that was 1919. I am directly named for him. Mm. And so just my name is a reminder of the fact that we have been persecuted. And so that's the biggest barrier, the biggest obstacle for the older Jewish folks who are aware of the history. They say, well, why should I believe in the God of those who have persecuted us? And my the response has to be over weeks and months and years. But basically, you need to say, the people who did this to you were followers of a church organization 
they were not followers of the person or the teachings of Jesus of Nazareth. And you need to say that several times and in several different ways. And you may, you may need to pull up videos like my testimony video. And there are over two dozen others on the imetmessiah.com website. These are all people who are vetted to have very strong Jewish backgrounds, who have a strong Jewish cultural orientation. And we all give our testimonies of how we came to faith from various uh, backgrounds. There are people there who are medical doctors, people there who are educators. There are people there with PhDs, all Jewish people who are educated, who have done well in life. This is oftentimes the charge we hear that the only Jewish person who would believe this stuff is an uneducated person. And so when you peruse those testimonies, nothing is further from the truth. And so you need to express that to your Jewish friend, that the people who have persecuted the Jewish people in the past, in the name of Jesus, were actually not Jesus followers. They were doing the, the full opposite of what Jesus himself said to do. Then additionally, you can point to a chapter like Romans chapter 11, which specifically instructs Gentile believers to have a respectful attitude toward Israel, because, and by Israel, I mean the Jewish people as an ethnic group, I'm not talking politics here, but Romans chapter 11 says, have respect toward the Jewish people. Why? Because God is still going to do a work in their midst. Mm. While every person needs individually to come to save faith, God has his hand corporately on the people, the Jewish people, and they there's going to come a day when the remnant of Israel is going to come to faith. That's what clearly what Romans chapter 11 expresses. Yes. Well, and I I love what you said earlier. This isn't uh, asking someone to switch buildings, uh, switch allegiances. There is a growing community of Messianic Jews, you know, Jewish people who follow the, the Messiah, Jesus, Yeshua in Hebrew, Talk about what does a Messianic Jewish congregation look like? What are some of the ways you've seen folks embrace this new faith in Jesus while continuing in the traditions in which they were raised? Sure. One of the things we see in Romans chapter 13, particularly, and several other places in the epistles, is that God's not bound by culture. Uh, human beings get very caught up in, in our culture. We, we tend to be advocates for our culture. But God, uh, you know, just overlooks all of this, and he's very, he's very tolerant of this. Romans 13 specifically addresses the point that one, one person prefers to do something one way, another prefers to do it a different way. And it's okay. Other places say that each be convinced in their own mind. One man prefers one day, another man another day. The, the basic issue is, are you followers of Jesus the Messiah? And are you holding to a New Testament congregation? So the Messianic Jewish movement, please understand, is not one movement. It's a very broad movement. And the, the term can be used by anyone. It's not a copyrighted term. People have hijacked the term. People with bad doctrine use the term. Uh, but Messianic simply means that you have a greater awareness of the Jewish roots of the faith. And you are recognizing that those roots help to explain the Bible. And so for 15 years, I served either as a, a Messianic pastor or, or associate pastor of a large Messianic Jewish congregation here in New Jersey. Uh, they were excellent years. They were very productive years. 
our congregation uh, in the early years was approximately 70% Jewish. We had um, a significant number of people who had been raised in synagogue settings. We had many of the individuals there could read, read and write Hebrew or speak Hebrew. And so we had a culture that was very similar to the Jewish culture around us. Uh, we were just two blocks from an Orthodox synagogue, three blocks from a conservative synagogue. So that was our culture. However, our doctrine was a fully conservative doctrine based on the New Testament, uh, a fully evangelical doctrine. Our doctrine would have been the same as some of the most sound Bible colleges. Perhaps we were even a little bit more so. Uh, we tended to be sticklers on understanding things literally. Yeah. And so it was a very sound congregation. And we had wonderful fellowship with many of the Bible churches, Baptist churches, brethren churches in the area. We just met on Saturday morning. Why do we meet on Saturday morning? Because that's when the early disciples would have met, Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon. People don't recognize the first century of the Roman era in, in Israel. Sunday was the first day of the week. It was back to work. The only time you had off the, by, by bargain was that you had the Sabbath off. Sunday was a regular work day in the Roman Empire. And so people generally worshiped on Saturday evening was when most of the believers worshiped. If you read the book of Acts, you know, and look for those details. So God is not beholden to a day. Uh, Sunday is a great day to worship. And so is Saturday and so is Tuesday afternoon. Uh, and so our service was held on a Saturday morning when the Jewish people in our neighborhood would expect Jews to meet. It had a mix of Hebrew and English. Most of our Hebrew readings were directly out of the Psalms. And so when we had Jewish people walk in who were not yet believers in Yeshua, they would say, oh, yeah, I, I remember hearing this when I was a kid growing up in, in Shul, in synagogue. I remember this prayer. I remember, and, and now what is it that you guys believe is what they would say to us. And we would share our faith within a Jewish context. The bottom line for us was quoting First uh, Corinthians chapter 9, verse 20. It says, to the Jews, I became as a Jew that I might win the Jews. To those under the law, I became as under the law that I might win the law, win them. Although I am not under the law, is what Paul says. We're not. We're under grace. We're not under law. Uh, don't ever anyone get nervous. I fully embrace grace. We're, I'm a new covenant grace holder. And so I've done all things, Paul says, that I might win some. So Paul was able to put aside his own preferences in favor of the culture of the people he was trying to reach. Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 20, and that's what we did. That's beautiful. I'd love to get your advice, wisdom. There's a younger group of folks who perhaps grew up in the synagogue and wandered away. I mean, that happens even in the Christian church, but they're still Jewish enough that Christianity still doesn't feel like a fit uh, there may even be kind of a mixture of some of the Judaism they learned as a kid mixed in with some Buddhism, with some New Age. What are some ways you're seeing the younger generation of Jewish folks find Yeshua? You put your finger on it, really. The, the, this is really a generational divide. For the older people, the, the sticking point is the history of persecution. For the younger people, the sticking point is what they see as a narrowness 
uh, evangelical Christian faith. What, what do you mean um, that the scriptures say I can't have this gay relationship or I can't be a Jew, uh, Jews who hold Buddhist practices? And so you, you're dealing with a generation for which there are no basic core values that are held commonly, where everything is up for negotiation. And essentially, you start reaching them the same way you reach anyone in that generation, any millennial. However, once those questions are answered, and sometimes they are, sometimes they're not, once those questions are answered, then you get to the, to the uniquely and distinctly Jewish objections. Uh, one, this, here's one of the most important things I would say to your audience. Please leave politics out of this. One of the greatest barriers to reaching Jewish people is the current emphasis in many evangelical churches on identifying with one political candidate or one political party. Yeah. I cannot begin to tell you from my own personal experience how many times Christians bringing this up derails their witness. Uh, the kingdom of God is not coming on Air Force One. The kingdom <laughs> of God is not dependent upon America. God's calendar is not going to be stopped. Uh, and so we need to recognize that while we need to be good citizens, and I certainly vote myself for, for candidates which seem to, to hold to the majority of the, the biblical views, that's getting increasingly difficult to find, uh, no matter which party you're in. Uh, and so I vote that way. I vote for those sort of candidates. However, I realize that that's not where I'm putting my hope. When talking to a Jewish person, leave politics out of it. Politics are only going to divide because most Jewish people are not ready to hear this. Uh, and so you need to make the main issue the main issue. The only question that will ever matter is, was Jesus who he claimed to be? He claimed to be the Messiah of Israel. And that's the hill we're going to die on claim to be the Messiah of Israel. So let's lift that up. Let's make that the issue. Is Yeshua, is Jesus who they claim to be? That's the issue we need to, to put front and center. I love that. I think it is such an important thing, whether it's inviting someone who may be skeptical to read the Gospel of John, to read Isaiah 53, like just to let's investigate who Jesus says he is first. And then letting some of these other things uh, be figured out in the in the root of discipleship. Uh, the website is messiahnj.com. Thank you so much, Muddle, for all that you're doing. Really grateful for your ministry and absolutely praying for peace in the Middle East for the people of Israel and grateful for you. Very good, Eric. Good speaking with you. God bless your ministry. Thanks for joining us on the Post-Christian Podcast. More resources available at ericbryant.org.